Welcome to another episode of the Mock Stars Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Evan Kunai, and I'm here with Jordan Garcia. Yo, what up? And Christopher Ritter. Hey. Today we're talking about proxies, but before we get into that, you guys can find us in pretty much everywhere on our link tree below. That's Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube first, thank you. What up? Hit like, subscribe, and ring that little bell so you can stay tuned for when our new episodes drop. Ding. Before we get into talking about proxies, we are actually doing a Ristic Update! Ruh, ruh, ristic Update. We should actually get some real sound effects for that at some yeah, point. Yeah, thank you. Oh. Not, not that. Not that. I'm sorry. Very unenthusiastic <laughs> fucking vibe. I just don't know the buttons yet. Uh, Mystery button. But we got some big news because uh, we have been seeing some spoilers for Brothers War. And uh, today we're actually going to talk about one, or each of us is going to go through and talk about one of our favorite cards from the upcoming set. So... Who wants to go first? Chris, you had a pretty juicy one I had not even seen yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is a, a new one that got spoiled yesterday, Ooh, I believe. Right on the cusp right now. Uh, we're talking about hostile negotiations. Yeah. One black, three colorless, instant. Exile the top three cards of your library in a face-down pile, then exile the next top three cards of your library in another face-down pile. Look at the cards in each pile, then turn a pile of choice face up. An opponent chooses one of those piles. Put that pile into your hand and the other into your graveyard. You you lose three life. Uh, to me, this card reads like four mana, access to six cards. Yeah. Uh, you're in black. You're making an opponent making... You're forcing your opponent to make a bad choice, hopefully. With no information, really. With That's no information favorite. to go off of. That's literally um, your favorite thing. Making people. I, it is. Yeah. It's such a yep. consistent theme of your Honestly, if you can force your opponent to make any sort of choice, that's probably going to lead to a bad choice. <laughs> I think it's a good card. Yes. And then once so, you limit options while yeah. making them make a choice. And then, you know, also because it's in black where you want access to card draw, um, black has excellent card draw. They just don't have a diversity of options. Uh, so this to me seems like a pretty great auto include mm -hmm. uh, if you're playing in black and you're not reaching into, say, uh, red or blue for card advantage. Right. Yeah, I will say, like, they do have options in black, but they're all very old and haven't really, like, caught up with the current power level of, like, mm -hmm. other colors and stuff like that. So I think this is, like, a clear kind of, like, boosted effect of, like, things we've seen in the past and just significantly better. Also, like, you know, and also, too, in black, a lot of the card draw is not at instant speed. Right. Uh, it's at sorcery speed or stable to an enchantment, such as Necropotence, which right. goes off at exactly one point and during your turn. it's a very turn. awkward point in during your Yeah, turn. and so... Uh, uh, hostile negotiations being instant is basically, you know, your opponent's end step. You're going to pay that four mana, and you're going to look at six cards, yeah. and it's it's great card advantage. And it's just three generic in a black. Like, black yeah. loves to go hard on the multi-pips. Absolutely. It, it made it easy. Yep. And the fact that it's, like, instant speed, six more cards is, like, kind of nutty. Yep. Yeah. And and again, if you're in black, you're playing out of your graveyard probably, so right. you're, you're getting access to every single one of these cards, more than likely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, to me, love it. this card looks like almost like a uh, Mario Party mini, mini game where you have the 1v1 because you both landed on the red tile or something. You know, it's right. like uh, you're picking one other person to like uh, basically play this game, this little mini game with you. And it's it's great that it's instant speed because you can react to things at, at any given point. Um, but 
it almost reminds me of like all the times that I've used chaos warp it to uh, like warp something for an advantage or like work with somebody on something. I mean, it can be very political. Um, and I think that's exactly what this card does is like it plays that balance of like, I'm choosing my opponent to make a bad decision, but it's also can be used like I'm choosing this opponent because they're going to make the best decision for me. Right. So I really like, yeah, I really like the card. It looks like a lot of fun and I can't wait to like actually see it like be cast because I still don't know quite how it works or how good. good it's going to be. I pre-ordered uh, six of them. So, <laughs> so it's going to be good. Yeah. I love to see that. You know, in my head, this kind of starts fitting in the camp of this like conversation we have every now and then is like, this intuition concept of like the OG being the, you know, the intuition. But, uh, you know, we were just talking about uh, something. Oh, I was saying that this, like, Ecological. I see it like where it only like digs like the top six cards, right? And I mean, there are cards that when it digs the top six cards is really good. Like Winota, when it looks at six cards is really good. But uh, this is like something where I was like, man, I really wish I could like curate two stacks and then make decisions that way. But then, it would just be way too powerful because the you're getting uh, greedy. It, and I yeah, think, yeah. I think if you were choosing piles, you'd be looking at like a five or six CMC card. Right. At which point, it's not playable. And you, I think at that point, you almost win the game because like whatever pile you just choose cards that you know if one pile goes to the grave and one pile goes to your hand, I win either way. Yeah, it is less of a tutor effect, more of a card advantage engine. But right. I think it's a really good card advantage engine. All right, word. Let's move on to the next one. Evan, this one's yours, and it's oh, so spicy. This one was just spoiled. Well, it was spoiled last night, and I went off. I've been waiting. There's for in the back seat, then he just started like, popping off. Like, I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting this for a long time because I was just. I was just screaming from the mountaintops. I'm like, Zakama's one enchantment away from being tier one or tier you know, one. Tier one. It'll be tier one. That is I'll make it. I mean tier one zero. away from being tier, tier one is tier four, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my card is meticulous excavation. It is a one white mana enchantment that says pay two and a white. Return target permanent you control to its owner's hand. If it has on Earth, instead exile it, then return that card to its owner's hand. Activate only during your turn. Mm. So it, there is like that drawback where you can't activate it at uh, you know during anybody's turn. But there is a significant like uh, I guess the wording is very signif is significant here because. Um, it says activate only during your turn. It doesn't say activate only as a sorcery, which we've seen plastered on a lot of cards and it has limited them. Yeah. And this is like... capped. Yeah. So you get to do some really cool things. Uh, my pod back home in uh, Wisconsin had said it does really cool things with um, uh, Evoke. So that was another way to like... This card uh, just... That was pretty spicy. Yeah, yeah. So like whatever evoke effects you can possibly think of this card can like potentially get you to recycle them or like uh i mean at the lowest possible i guess it, it is a lot of mana to like bounce a mull drifter back to your hand but it does like recycle that effect for you i'm thinking the new evoke cards like oh, if you yeah. can like bounce or like cast a solitude by exiling a white card and then bounce it back in response to the sack trigger and then you have another instant speed exile at any right. given moment that's pretty scary yeah it's pretty good like this card to me just screams combo potential because for sure dark I mean, side easy obvious it's yeah a, it's a team or saber tooth on a one drop white enchantment it's one mana more but that's it yep and if you guys had listened to the uh zakama deck workshop episode we did uh, i talk about like that little enchantress like uh, package that i have built into there for card draw for like 
stacks for advantage for all that stuff and so this like immediately i'm just like looking like I could take any enchantment out for this. Yeah. Like this, Sarah it's Sanctum, that good. Like Prox, uh, Destiny Spinner. Yeah, Sanctum Weaver. Sanctum Weaver. You know, this whole package is just like, yeah, one drop enchantments that uh, also win you the game seem to be pretty goddamn good. Yeah, and I was also just saying, like, this card goes really well with, like, if this is on the battlefield and I cast an Ecological Appreciation, I now feign a lot more combo lines than I possibly had before because I can go grab Dockside, I can go grab uh, Devoted Droid, even though it doesn't combo with this, but it just... Like, you're creating an intuition stack where you can just feign to your opponent, like, what combo do I have? Mm -hmm. Like, what combo are you going to, like, are you going to try and stop happening right now? Uh, so That deck relies heavily on, you know, your opponent putting their finger in at the right point. Yeah, right. So yeah. that's that's a huge advantage for you. Yeah, and yeah. pretty much if it's during his turn, like, any removal spell that points at it, like, you can still bounce it to your hand as protection, too. So it has that aspect to it. Yeah, and it just, it just naturally goes infinite with Zakama. So if you are able to generate... 12 mana you can infinitely cast a comma so you have an infinite storm count right there and if you're able to generate 13 at any given point you now have infinite mana so like i know that seems like a big number but zakama gets there pretty quick when you're abusing like gaia's cradle and sarah sanctum all those things so uh i i really like this card i I think it has a ceiling even higher than when I speak of it right now. Mm -hmm. uh, Peregrine Drake, you know, also does the same thing. You know, it's like untap five lands, like boom. Wild that this is at uncommon. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so last night, yeah, when when we were in the like, I was in the back seat of the car, and I was just like, Jordan, you're not gonna believe this. Like, yeah, I thought this was a mythic for sure. Yeah, look at this. This is insane. This is like, I mean, to me, this is like highlight of the set. This is number one card in this target set right permanent. Yeah. Target also, permanent. talk about bouncing itself. Like you were talking about having the enchantment package. If you have all these uh, enchantresses where you're casting a enchantment, drawing a card, we're like, well, shit. Now I can just bounce it for three mana, recast it for one mana. That's just one card. Yeah, two been, cards if you have two. I've been on some like competitive forums, and like every time I share my deck list, and they're like, "You should take Argothian Enchantress out. There aren't enough enchantments for you to like." And then I play a game, and I draw like five cards off of it. Like this is an outlet for that. So if I'm able to generate infinite mana, because this screams like allow me to generate infinite mana, and Argothian, Argothian Enchantress is on the battlefield, it now says draw your entire library. Yeah. So not only does it give you another way with Dockside to generate infinite mana, which your deck already does a bunch, it yeah. also on top of that is your outlet with infinite mana. There's yeah, there's not. there's so many cards in the deck because once you like reach into higher powers, you start playing a lot more tutors. Like a lot of your instants and sorceries are just tutors. And so now I actually have purpose in searching for Argothian Enchantress if I have this in hand or on the battlefield. Yeah. This is always going to be threatening, even if you just cast this turn one. Like, yep. Just be like, all right, pass. Yep. Like, turn two. Worried about it. Turn two could be Dockside. Yeah. Turn two could be the game. <laughs> yeah. So like literally. that's that's how threatening this card yeah. is. Yeah. No, that's really good at the one mana slot. Unbelievable. All right, we're in. All right, I am last up, and I will say that I do think Meticulous Excavation is the best one, but I do want to talk about this card because I think it's pretty dang cool. It is called. The, sorry, these all just came out. Symmetry Matrix. It is a four drop enchantment. If I, I knew how to spell symmetry, this would go way faster. I think it's an artifact, by the way. It's an artifact. Oh, you're right. It is an artifact. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I know this does better than I can just type, apparently. <laughs> so uh, if a creature entering the battlefield, not cast, which is really good, and we'll come back to that enters the battlefield, and it has the same power as it does toughness, you're allowed to pay one generic mana and draw a card. And although all these cards recently have had restrictions on them, 
There was no restriction on it. There's no once per turn. There's not only during your turn. There's like like there's nothing, and it's in a colorless, and it's only one mana. It yep. is, I think, the best colorless draw engine that we have now, because we've always seen that if you're getting a colorless effect that you see in other colors, it usually costs more in the colorless effect. There's so many tokens that just like are generated by you know anything or, or, or whatever <laughs> for you know? any reason so, like, whatsoever. For, you know, and they're all one ones usually. One yeah. ones, two twos. It's the easiest thing in Magic to make. Yeah, yeah if you want to turn your bitter blossom into a card draw engine, pretty dang boom, yeah, right there. Pretty yeah. Good. yeah, essentially any token creator where they are same base power and toughness that doesn't require you to like invest the mana in every time. Like like exactly like that. You know, whatever the uh, black market connections making that. No, it's a 3-2, isn't it? That's a bad example. Yeah, it is a 3-2. All right, terrible example. But I used to play a Layla where, you know, every time you play an artifact and enchantment, boom, you get a fairy. Like, this goes amazing in that because now it's just play anything well, plus I, one mana and you get a... I hate to break your heart on that because but, if a Layla's on the battlefield is a state-based, like, oh, static thing, it's going right. to be a 2-1 when it enters. Wow. Two dog shit back-to-back examples for how this card doesn't work. Are you sure you got the text of the card right? <laughs> like, uh, I don't think so, and uh, I seed my time. Thank you. Try Symmetry Matrix. Symmetry Matrix seems like a good card, but there are some. There are like definitely some enablers out there that say when you draw a card, create you That's know a token. Tendershoot Dryad. Can we talk about Tendershoot Dryad? Yeah, every upkeep that comes Boom. that comes in. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you've there, ascended just, or not because it's plus two plus two. Who gives a shit? It's perfect. Don't have a ascended. <laughs> <laughs> Don't play it on a Layla. It's not good. It's like people wanting to play uh, okay. a Guardian Project in Volo. It just doesn't work. Word, right, yeah, exactly right. Okay, so I do have... I do. All right, tell me if this doesn't work, because I had one more thing written down. Oh, it's going to be another sick knot, it's, though. It's not going to work, right? <laughs> I'm so, good, dude. I'm just dying. Away. I'm thinking like a blink deck, right? Like Brago or something yeah. like that. If you can just blink any creature that has the same power toughness... I don't know if Brago is. Don't quote me. He does not. <laughs> <laughs> Great start. <laughs> Any other creature you have, you can then just blink it, and then you're already with like blinking, so you're bl- you're getting the mana back. So you essentially get an infinite loop out of this. Yeah, you you're, you're already blinking rocks as it you're is. You're already blinking rocks. Out. You blink one creature in the mix. Boom! Now you're tapping that rock, drawing your whole deck. Sure. Pretty easy. Ended up being a combo piece on top of just uh, honestly a fantastic draw engine. I think it's going to be really good. Yeah, there have been so many cards that have come out in like the last Magda? two years that I've yeah. Magda, hello. Uh, I mean dwarves, dwarves. I'm not thinking about Magda itself, but oh, like, because okay. you're casting all these two two dwarves, maybe. And then I don't know. Good. And she she tutors for the artifacts and she. Yeah, no. There's there's just so many know. cards that have come out recently, like in the last two years, that I have looked at and been like, this seems really good. I thought mm-hmm. like uh, Moon Silver Key was going to be amazing because I read the effect and I was like, it holy is. cow, it is it is amazing. <laughs> I I just I. I it's, it's just not. A, it's not as good as it's going to be, though. Right. It's just you just don't know where cards like this are going to land in terms of like popularity or in terms of like playability and like what decks are going to be popular because right. we're just seeing like this crazy trend of so many cards coming out that it just uh, people move from deck to deck to deck to deck to deck. So it's like, is this a card that you move from deck to deck to deck I because it is consistently auto-include. enough drawing you enough cards? Oh, this one? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's a specific build around it. It's, it's not yeah. a universal card for sure. Yeah, like I was thinking like, man, Hepatra would be really good with this because then I can, you know, like yeah. snakes entering the battlefield and then I can just pay one and draw a card. Um, but I've also like tuned that deck up to just be like tutors and stuff to get the combos that I need. So Yeah, there's I think there's a small threshold for like decks that go 
absolutely off the wall with it and i think like the the blink deck is it but like i think there's a wide variety in more of like maybe the mid mid or power yeah where it's just an, a fantastic draw engine and you'll just like look at your cards and be like wow almost every single one of my creatures oh, has the same power I mean, toughness you could even do coma coma would be a great be if you're playing coma like, this is actually pretty great boom if you already yeah. have like seed burn music effects in your deck and now you're all of a sudden you're just done tapping and going off yeah yeah okay yeah I, i'm convinced it could yeah. be a great card word all right, guys. Well, we're moving into our main topic, and it is a really good one. It's uh, been coming up, I think, more and more. And I think currently with Magic 30 and all the spiciness going on, I think it's a great time to talk about it. We're talking about proxies today. Um, I know, sometimes a vilified topic. Some, uh, but not in our play group. We are actually kind of huge fans of proxies. We've been doing it more and more recently. Uh, Ritter kind of started the train on like buying like 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 nicer made proxies, and that kind of was really cool. He bought uh, one of the dual lands, right? Uh, a couple of the dual lands. Uh, that ancient tomb. I don't know stuff yeah. that's over a hundred bucks. I'm not gonna spend real money on cardboard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna get some proxies. That's totally fair. Well, there's yeah. a certain point now that like we've we've now play a game made by a company who's willing to sell like pieces of cardboard that are not even tournament legal for way more than. Right, like literally, so at the FedEx store. If anybody has not been paying attention to this or whatever, it's the whole Magic Thirty thing with these uh, the anniversary these proxy packs that are a thousand dollars for four packs of revised or whatever reprint, but it is all proxies. They like you're getting charged for proxies. I I think that uh, Wizards and Hasbro recently have really made it apparent that they think of their audience as gullible children and yeah. idiot adults. Yes. So you don't need to spend the money with them if you don't have to. I feel like a lot of us recently are feeling less and less encouraged to be spending our money with Wizards. Yeah, yeah I, I almost feel like, uh, you know, with the Star Wars collectible card game that was made by Decipher and then discontinued in the early 2000s, like now there's just a player group that designs their own sets. Mm -hmm. And I, down the line, would not necessarily be opposed to that. Like, wow, the right group of people just being like, fuck wizards, we're done spending money with them. Let's just design our own stuff. You can print this at home. You get a whole new set every six months. Man, and it's awesome. the appropriate power level made by people playing the game, made to encourage you to have fun. People actually things. wanting to yeah. experience the game properly and not and just get a buck. Yeah, the proper uh, pacing for, ex like, I guess uh, experiencing the game, I think we're just like seeing set after set a lot. Of, like the the, it's a very rapid pace. It, it's oh pretty much God. once a month you get new content yeah. that you then might shift the meta, like Which you know, to a yeah. large result and cause you to spend more money. Of course, you know? I mean it is directly profitable for them to create more powerful cards that you now have to buy to keep up with the game. Like, yeah, I mean Modern Horizons one and two were effectively Wizard saying if you play in the modern format. You need to now lay out, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars on, you know, hopefully you're not opening packs like a fucking moron, but, you know, laying out a couple thousand dollars on the secondary market just to either update a deck that had been tier one or tier two for years in the format, mm -hmm. or now a lot of the previously viable decks in modern are just wiped out by the new printings in modern horizon one and two and so there's completely new decks and then you just have to forget about all those investments you made over the years and just start over and once again spend a few thousand dollars on the secondary market to play this format that had previously been very stable yeah there was uh i mean just to like tell the story of 
uh, a game that had to restructure itself after it went through these same like sequences of events is like Yu-Gi-Oh. So like I played Yu-Gi-Oh competitively before I picked up Magic ever. And the thing was is that new sets would come out every few months and everyone was excited for it because you got the, you know, that whole like spoiler season and everything like that. And it's just like that same addiction, that same like drive, that same energy. But they would print these like crazy powerful cards that just warped the format. It's like if you weren't playing that, like whatever deck you've been working on for the last three months is no longer viable. Mm-hmm. And then if you wanted to buy them on the secondary market, they were like 100 plus. So you'd have to spend like as a teenager or as a you know a young adult, you're spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars just to stay and remain viable in a competitive format because there wasn't a casual there wasn't a casual table to sit at yeah you i mean i get it from a business perspective you need these addicts to keep spending money but i feel like what wizards is doing right now it's 100 percent fentanyl <laughs> like you're yes. you're yes. killing off your buyers Literally like, yeah, yeah that's exactly what Yu-Gi-Oh did they killed off so people just lost interest because after the three months of like that deck being viable and people were like yeah this is great like wow i finally got the pieces i traded up for it or whatever and then a ban list would come out and it would say hey man you know that deck you just traded for it's now banned or we're gonna nerf it so it's no longer at the top of the food chain so and then the next set we're gonna release it's going to have the top of the food chain cards in it so uh get ready to shell out for a little bit more and it just essentially killed the game yeah and even the financial aspect aside like it just feels bad to care so much about this game and devote so much of your time to this game and be treated like absolute shit yeah, <laughs> yeah. like you know yeah and Yu-Gi-Oh had to create all these different zones and stuff which is Hey, does that sound familiar? We're seeing all these like <laughs> zones, new zones, zones, zones and stuff pop up within the game, like new outside uh, interactions and game pieces or whatever. But like they had to create all these new zones, and then all the players were like, "How am I supposed to ever keep up with this mentally?" And so they destabilized the game for profits, and then they had to restabilize it down the line, banning a ton of stuff, creating multiple formats so they could recompartmentalize the game so it would actually thrive and be competitive again and that's ultimately where it's at now is like there is a there is a competitive scene there's also like different formats so you can play old old Yu-Gi-Oh the way that you know you may have remembered you and I remembered and loved it yeah when the show came out and so like they're like modern standard you know sort of stuff maybe not like exactly like that but they did like compartmentalize it so that players could return to the game but and I, I just hate that we don't get to that point here. Well, the other uh, well, the problem too is also that EDH is an eternal format. So anything that they're printing, like you can't wall off the garden. Right. Yeah. Right. That's exactly it. And oh man, yeah, it's almost the opposite issue. Like not necessarily in casual or mid power stuff, but if you're trying to play competitively in EDH, mm-hmm. like now you're dealing with the kind of backside of that of. All right, well, I, there's a lot of reserve list cards that are pretty much meta and auto includes in most decks. So, like, you're shelling out again tons of money for it. Yeah, and, and just kind of like back, like, refocus us back, uh, back on proxies. It's like, even if you're playing casually, it is a ton of money. And so, yeah. what we've been doing and what Jordan's been doing mostly is he's been going off and like printing all these decks and then just bringing a ton of decks that are good or like mid power or whatever to the table and then we just share them and we play them and like so you get something fresh you yeah. know it's like at least tuned in some way and like you I'd say they're access. all high power but not anywhere close to like CDH CDH yeah yeah I mean we want to play a I mean I the benefit of proxies is that we want to play a skill based game 
not a wallet or luck based game. Right. Yes. And there's just some cards like Ristic Study is one of the best draw engines. Like, and if you have three blue decks, like you don't want to spend ninety dollars to make sure they all have Ristic Studies. Like, that's just absurd. That last sentence you said, I just want to listen to that on repeat for <laughs> like the next two hours. Well, we recorded it. You can. Yeah. You can loop it. Do you guys want to hear? It if now? I could loop it right now, I just don't have the technology. I have the technology. I don't have the skill. You don't, yeah, you don't know how to operate the soundboard to do that. But we can technically do it. Guys, it would be so cool. Just imagine it right now. Yeah, it, it, I guess like a lot of people when it comes to proxies, there's a little bit of like uh, faux pas to it. Like there's a little bit of uh, taboo to the whole thing because you, you play these games with your friends and you all buy the cards and you might have drawn a draft or whatever. And then someone comes to the table with a proxy, a card that they do not actually own. And everyone at the table feels uh, a little bit slighted by that fact. And I think that's been like a big part of the argument against proxies is that, oh, you are, you, like, you didn't earn that card or like, I had to invest, you card. have to invest. Yeah, exactly. Which is such a, a toxic, terrible yeah, perspective. Crabs in a bucket, man. Just, yeah. It yeah. just means you are never going to have people to play with, especially if you want to play competitively. That is such a huge investment to not only ask that this person is such an ingratiated player that they've done the amount of research it takes to know how to build and operate a CEDH deck, but you're also asking that they have spent like ten thousand dollars to build it like that is such a you're asking to only have one pod to ever play with in your entire life yeah we showed up to a public table and this guy was like hey do you want to play like competitive game and we we're like yeah and he's and we're like what deck are you busting out and he's like well i'm playing Krenko. And he pulled it out and it was completely printed on black and white printer paper yes dude. you know and it's oh. like i don't care like is it game pieces Fine. Like, that's ultimately I care. what these are. I guess you do I, have to, like... I proxy. I proxy all the time, but I make sure that my proxies are crisp. If you're playing on webcam with me, you don't even know if I'm playing with proxies. Yeah, okay, you can't have a piece or a scrap of notebook paper that's been ripped and, like, yeah. written on and shoved into a sleeve. Yeah, I don't want to do additional research beyond, uh, you know, the, the cards in front of me yeah. to understand what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly, for sure. And, like... If it's just like, yo, I'm throwing this in real quick. I want to play this. I forgot this, whatever that. I don't I don't care. But it's like we had this one time this kid was there with his dad, like one of the first nights on Commander Night. He used to clearly play it elsewhere. But this is the kid I'm talking about. Word. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. But like it was not even that it was like black and white. It was black and white. It was like 140p like res, dude. It was <laughs> completely blurry. He cut them out with scissors so they were like at a full angle, like cutting off parts of the art and stuff. So they were just completely illegible. It's just like paper cutter on Amazon costs $10. Going to FedEx print shop costs $5 to print off three pages, which is all it takes to put these proxies for 100 cards on it. And then you go get a pack of sleeves for 5 to $10. Yeah, and you, you can have put a, your bulk You can you put your bulk cards Cards backwards. that are not worth anything in it. Yeah. You could even go to like shops and ask for their draft bulk if you don't have it and you don't want to sacrifice cards for it. And they will That's give true. you stuff for it, too. So it is so cheap to do it well that there's really no excuse not to do it well. And also... I think more people should be trying it out because it's so fun to just like a few of those decks I built or some of the few of those decks I brought, like I made a few of those lists and then I just grabbed a few of them. And then the fact that I just got to like grab some lists that somebody else has worked on hard on and I just get to like put together in this kind of pod and like see how it plays together. It's so much fun. And it took, you know, 40 minutes. Yeah. I pretty much learned how to create like a deck list today, like on Moxfield. And so if you export a list, you just go on, go on to Moxfield. Like you can look at any of our lists. You can look at other people's lists and you can just go to the export feature and hit copy or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then just go into an expel an Excel spreadsheet or go into like, what is it? Uh, 
MPC fill or make proxy? No, MPC fill is the one you have to buy. I mean, if you want oh, to buy okay. them, but there is there are free ones where you literally just copy and paste your deck list, and then it just gives you all the pictures yeah. and on a sheet. And you just click print, and that's di- that's it. That yep. is it. Start to finish. Boom. There's also Easy a couple excellent uh, subreddits on proxy. Totally. that will give you you know greater depth. The on, research on is out there yeah, yeah. and easily available. And if you want to, like Chris did, and we started doing like buying the nicer ones, like we bought some dual lands for our CDH decks, and they're awesome. They're like they. Are indeterminate. Like you cannot tell that. Yeah, I I love paying five bucks for a foil, uh, borderless mana crypt, or with like you know that is indistinguishable from the real thing. Yes. Yeah. Now there is something to be said on the flip side of that. If you are going out and you are buying these, and because they are near indistinguishable. Do not go out and try to sell or trade these. Don't be an idiot. Yeah, I, I, I usually mark up the back and, yeah. and just to make sure I don't do it by accident. Most right. proxy sites, if you're buying them, are good and will not do a legitimate back. There are a few of them, and we do have a few of them, where they print very realistic cards, including the backs, and that is problematic. So you need to be aware of that. Yeah, uh-huh. and uh, I mean, you might not never like you might never know who you're sitting across from and you're trading with. Like some people would be kind enough to like let you know, like, hey, that's a proxy, and then you know, and then you you're fairly you're in, <laughs> you have a good reason to ask why is this even in your trade binder then? Uh- but it's like just. Be careful about like trading. Know how to identify fake cards and stuff like that. People like they're just are scumbags. I mean, as a general rule, don't trade with strangers. Yeah. Like you're saying, Evan, there's there are scumbags in this game. Like there are just uh, low quality human beings who enjoy playing this game sometimes and just are out to take advantage of other people. To be fair to people who play this game, there's a lot of low quality human beings in this world. So yeah, true, just, true. Just some of them happen to also play Magic. <laughs> but I mean, there's, there's, you got your trade binder there ripe for uh, being. Yeah, kicked, and kicked, I, so, I yeah. have been yeah. kind of loosey goosey sometimes with my trade binder. I will say, Evan, I do have both of my duels in my trade binder right now, my dual proxies. You are. Ju- just because I'm not trading them, it's because we're going to this tournament and it's a no proxy tournament. Yeah. Even though I could get away with it with these proxies, I'm not. I'm took out. I took them out and I put in two basics. Yeah, that uh, that actually leads us right into the next segment of discussion. Just like proxies, uh, when they're acceptable and when they're not. So this weekend we're actually going to a tournament where they are not acceptable. Even um, let's say, like I guess, even if you want to proxy a dual land, like you can't. Like even though it is a competitive scene and it is a tournament, um, it, it is somewhat restricted by uh, your financial uh, i guess yeah that's kind of the stuff i was talking about with like that mentality of people that are anti-proxy it's just it's gatekeeping it is how many people are actually able to go to this tournament let alone how many people are actually able to show up this tournament and compete in a meaningful way because their decks are tuned to the proper level well i i mean so i think to play devil's advocate here in the competitive scene for tournaments you do need some sort of restrictions on proxies whether that's uh them supplying you mm-hmm. with their own proxies, which some tournaments will do. Great point. But also, you need some sort of gatekeeping to keep uh, the correct amount of competition in the tournament, I would say. You can't just have anyone uh, with 20 bucks printing up a CDH deck and being like, hey, I, I can play too, having not run any games and just making it a bad experience mm. for other players that have put in the time and and you know here i think in this context like maybe owning the cards is a substitute for saying you're serious about this you're here not to waste other people's time 
Right. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it does like it does lend to the amount of effort and the amount of time I've put into like building this deck and like finding the resources to like build it like properly in the way I want it to be. So, like, yeah, I I've spent years collecting cards and I traded it all in for a Gaia's Cradle because I want to compete and I want to play in this deck. Yeah, Evan and I have pretty much over the last year or two have gotten to the same point of pretty much upgrading our whole collection into the deck, the the pet yeah. deck that has every card we could ever want in it, and then like. I don't really care about anything else outside of it. Like, I might pick up a few good, like, uh, like investment pieces if I see it just, like, you know, a, a new set and it's coming out really cheap or something like that. Or just a card I really like, which I think is how we should be kind of buying magic cards. But I'm kind of just done buying magic cards to, like, build decks. It's, like, way too expensive. Yes. I've changed my mind too many times. So, like, 10 cards I just bought, you know, half of them are out two weeks later because I'm always tweaking my decks. I want to like, build a lot of decks. I want to build decks all the time. And, like, it's way too expensive. Or you're ripping apart the decks you just built to build the next one. If you are not financially restricting yourself, how much do you think you would spend on a new deck? Like, like because it's, it's very convenient for us because we have Card Kingdom right here in town in Seattle. So, like, it's very easy for us to, like, place an order, walk over, and they just bring it right down to you. It's, it's pretty great. But it's also a dangerous, dangerous addiction. How much do you think you would spend if you were to like to build that Gearson Karn deck that you've been like? That Just like, yeah, not even like a, a high power deck, but like a, like a medium, a medium deck. And that, by, mind you, was just split 50-50 on basic lands, uh, mountains and islands. I would I'd probably say, I'd say two years ago, two or $300. Now, four or $500. Yeah, I mean, those, you know, two, three, four dollar cards that you're building a hundred card deck Guess with, what? they cards. add up. Yeah, a hundred two dollar cards cost $200. Yeah, like, and I yeah. challenge you to buy, build like a meaningful deck for $200. And it can be done, and like, mono white's getting amazing, and like, you know, there's strategies that will do it. I have a mono white deck uh, that's decent, that it's great. Yeah, it. But it's still over, I don't know, I think it's $1,400. Yeah. Like that. And there's not any, I'm not even playing Smothering Tithe. I, I can't even think of the most expensive card in there, but that's still where it's hovering. Shit adds up. Right. Yeah. Especially like when you start tuning and like you uh, you tune your deck for a few months and look back and you're like, wow, that list got a lot more expensive than it was. Right. The, uh, like if you guys wanted to check out our deck lists, like I'll, I'll post them in the description below, but like if you just go and check out my Zakama list, it's $7,000. I defy anyone to go build a deck on uh, Moxfield right now that they feel good about for yeah. less than a thousand. Don't look at the bottom yeah. bar yeah. of the web browser. I'm talking that you ever. feel good about well, that you would be proud to sit down at a table with this, and even if you're not intending on like running the games, like, yeah, like yeah. do your, it for under a thousand. Bag. I dare you. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And here's the deal: you can go on TCG Player, you can price comparison all you want. The reason that I'm saying like Moxfield, they use Card Kingdom as a source. That is our most that is literally our LGS, and that's our most convenient. Yeah, source. and you can so find better like, deals TCG and shit like that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's just like crazy when you go in and you're trying to like build a deck. And I can mask my finances a little bit and be like, Hey, I built that Adelie's deck. I built it for sixty dollars. You know? Yeah, and see, I that's mean, a great example of a deck that kind of pops off. Right, but. <laughs> It doesn't count all the cards I had previously purchased in my binder. I spent $60 for the On top of all the staples you had. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, and then so. again, it, it speaks to ingratiated players getting to have a great time in this format while, you know, people struggle to get into it because of how expensive it is now. Yeah, new players, I really, my heart goes out to you to, like, get addicted to this. And, like, we, we love the game. And I hope you love the game, too. But to want to build to want to build decks is a dangerous game hey wizards uh, do 
like a secret lair drop of mana bases. Not like individual right. lands, mana bases. Or improve the mana bases in your precons. Like that would go yes. a long way towards making Put it financially viable for new players. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like we saw the like un- Unfinity reprints of Shocks. That is not a meaningful reprint. Like people can't get their hands on that reliably or like in a high volume. Yeah. People aren't opening a ton of that. You know, and then yeah. they're like, well, the Challenger decks have one shock land in them. You could go buy them. And that's just, it's just, it's not enough. Meaningful reprints. Except for the that. expensive one on that. Like, what was the, there's one deck that didn't have it because it's the most expensive shock land. Uh, I think it was like the one with the watery grave or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember what I it can't. is. Or maybe only had one of them in it, but every other deck had two. Because uh, there was one deck that came out and had two steam vents in it. And I was just like, oh, damn, that's a good value. Yeah. Regardless, they are cl- clearly aware of this third uh, party secondary market, market, secondary market, that they just don't want to like actually come out and say. Uh, I do love from this Magic 30 nonsense. I don't know if you saw this, Ritter. That at their like official table, they had some of those surge foil uh, commander precons for the Warhammer thing, um, but they were all marked up like with sharpies and stuff. At their official table, they were marked up from MSRP, mm-hmm. uh, which is just a real feel bad, guys. Yeah, I, th- I think we've seen a, a significant downturn in the game in general ever since the MSRP was abolished. Mm-hmm. I think that was a, the real turning point where I started to maybe way out using proxies more mm-hmm. like um even just taking like bulk cards flipping them over and writing on them with a sharpie i've done that a lot and i think that was like the turning point for me when i was spending when i thought i was spending too much money on an umizawa jite because it was ten dollars is uh, where i want to be in 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 life and in magic right yeah, I, I think Wizards is like actively degrading the value of their own product right now. And that's why like even though I'm an avid collector, I'm putting a pause on everything. Like I'm I'm pretty much like I would I'll collect reserve list because for the time being they're not reprinting reserve list cards. Uh and you know, that's kind of where my mind has been at anyway. I mean they're they're in the part of, you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to go too far with this, but they're in the part of the economic cycle with this game where they are just trying to move a high volume of low quality junk. Yes. Now is not the time to be spending real. Yes, money. and speak with yeah. your dollars. That that is not okay with you as a player, as a collector, you know, and the, as a customer. And hopefully they listen to that. I mean, there's been tons of backlash over the last few months, so I do hope that they listen and realize that this is not really the direction that their player base wants this game to go. And we're not saying don't go out and support your LGS. You guys should still Please. be going to your game stores. Pre-releases are awesome. Yeah, pre-release is like one of the most fun ways to play the game. So like that is like is still okay. We're not saying like don't don't go support them or anything. And buy the but cards also, you want too. Yeah, buy the cards you want, but also go support your local local F- FedEx or UPS store. They have a yeah. printer. It works. Yeah, don't break your bank to keep up. Like. Yeah, that's not the point of this. Is you should be having fun, and that's it. Right, and I think there was like a certain point where like proxies do break the game, and like in a in a way, right? So like I remember the day that one of uh, the guys from my old pod showed up, and he had proxied a tabernacle of Saint Pedro Vale. Vale. Yeah. You can't you can't proxy to pub stomp. That's just rude. Like, <laughs> that is, that's a I mean, that's yeah. 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 
<laughs> no, that is a very good point. Yeah, be responsible with those proxies. Yeah, and uh, I think I wasn't even like involved with that pod at the moment, but I started getting texts from them being like, can you believe this motherfucker? Like, can you believe this guy? Print He printed out a tabernacle, showed up at the table, and thought it was okay. But here's the thing. At the same time, anyone proxies a duel, I don't care. Right, <laughs> yeah. because like, yeah. seriously, 100%. Yeah. Like, even if your whole deck is like, Ten dollars, and you show up with a proxied, you know, dual land in there. I'm like, great. Yeah, oh, yeah but if you show up with a proxy chains of Mephistopheles, yeah, I'm you're right. just you're kind of an asshole. You're kind of a dick. Yeah, yeah. If, yeah. if you're playing competitively, and that card strictly is reserved for a line of strategy that you are planning, like I would play it in Tam. I really want to play it in yeah. Tam because it's a great card in Tam. Absolutely. But it's like if you are just doing it to punish other players because you felt like. I don't know, punishing other Because players. now you can just... I have access to all of the best cards. Because yeah. you yeah. can, literally, is the the answer. Uh, yeah, no, I, I fully agree. I yeah. think uh, I think that you shouldn't be able to like proxy like that. You should be more... It's kind of like the power level conversation. I think it's just you sit down and you have this conversation. One, like, if people aren't cool proxies, that kind of sucks from their perspective. But, like... You sh- I still be at least like, yeah, I'm playing proxies. Just so you know, like... Yeah, it's definitely a rule zero discussion. And yeah, I mean, for our play group, it's like I, I sat down with you guys and I was like, well, I don't want to spend the money on Ancient Tomb and Mana Crypt right yeah. now. And well, there's other cards. Very... So, it, but all you guys are playing those in your decks. So to keep up, yeah, you know, I, I need those powerful cards. Yeah, you're but, just jumping back into the game. Yeah, yeah. It, how like you wouldn't want to play with us if like you were like, no, you can't. Like absolutely not. Like you, we would never get you to come out. Like what yeah. would the fun of that be? Yeah, I, I mean the other. Uh, there's right. another guy in our pod um, who's basically playing with a slightly upgraded vampire precon, and after the last time we played, we were just like, hey man, just just spend five bucks, get yourself an Edgar Markov. We're all rooting for you to do this. Like, yes, he was talking it. about it yesterday. Yeah. Like it would like just build a disgusting deck and show up because like. As long as you're setting the level and having this conversation, like it's great that we have a pod now. We don't really have to have this conversation all the time. But like once you've set the level, then it's like, yeah, it's fine if you print off a chains of Mephistopheles because you know that, you know, the other deck has something just as terrible in it, and you've all agreed that this is just an awesome way to play the game. And we're like, we're playing at a high power level, and it kind of just lets everything neutralize again because now you're yes. not fighting over money. Yeah, and now if you are like preparing for tournament or something like that and you want a proxy to like test cards that's also another like way that proxies are okay like if you are playing in a pod that is strictly like no proxies just like hopefully they will lend an ear to you and when you come to them and you say hey i'm just proxying this because i'm testing it out i don't know if it's gonna like gonna make the deck or not and i i just don't want to spend the money on it like it's on the way or even if it's in the mail you know it's like i mean i'm not trying to make anyone uncomfortable but like if you're in a pod that's against proxies it's worth having that discussion like why yeah why don't why are you against this yes like it's not like i'm i'm creating new cards that aren't available to everyone with enough money i'm just creating cards that are now available to me as a reasonable human being not trying to lose my wallet to wizards of the coast yeah 100 percent. yeah i think i don't i think i feel like it's getting better maybe it's just because we've curated our playgroup more and we play a lot online and all that stuff is fine maybe there is still this whole like perspective out there yeah i'm, I'm sure among like boomer players and like rich kid players yeah, and stuff like, like that there's probably it's probably more contentious where a bit of it is like you know, you're 
some of the fun of the game is how much you can bling bling this stuff out. With, well, yeah, you know? and I love that. Like that's what we're talking about. We're trading our deck. Our decks are blinged out like to hell and back. But These like budget. they're budgetless. But we don't expect anybody to compete up with us. They're exclusively for the enjoyment of ourselves collecting and owning this deck that we can play as like kind of like our our version of it. On some on some level, when you see other people like spending money, you. Even though you're doing it yourself, you think that they're foolish, right? You're, yeah. You're oh, recognizing yeah. oh, you're other like, people. Bro, you like, spent <laughs> how much on that shit? Like, Evan bought a guy's crate on live. You yeah. fucking idiot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I turn around, I'm just like, no, I traded for it, dude. Like, yeah. it's, it's one of those things where, you know, if you're it's someone who's collecting the game or you've been collecting the game for a long time and you decide you want to invest in those pieces, like, I do not want anybody to go out and spend a thousand hard-earned dollars on a guy's cradle. Yeah, I, yeah. none of us, I, I don't think any of us are saying yeah. don't do that. We're just saying don't do it if you don't have the money to burn. Correct. Yes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. If your options are literally put money in a pile and set it on fire or spend it on magic cards, go ahead, spend the magic. <laughs> the the great thing about proxies and the whole reason we're having this episode is you get to do both. You can put the thousand dollars in your bank account and have yourself a guy's cradle. $995 in your bank account yeah. and a guy's cradle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Man. and that is near indistinguishable. Still is ex- like incredible card quality. Maybe does it still generate a green mana for each creature you have in play? I, I think it does. Oh, wow. Okay. No, wow. then definitely proxy. It, effective yeah. of the same? Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Uh, real quick, like a little just a crafty tip. Uh, if you're just using a paper cutter, it's the best way to crowd, cut out those proxies. And you just, yeah, like you said, just grab any kind of card behind it and you get the sleeve and you just line them all up. And then even if you kind of mess up the black a little bit, it's on the border so you can't even see it. And it's, you just get, and also the FedEx print shop for super cheap it has really crisp color prints. So yeah, you are meticulous. I mean, I've proxied so many decks at this point that I think I just have a high enough standard for them. Um, but it was great. Like I realized a few months ago that like one, we should be doing this more, even though we are proxying, we should be doing it more and getting kind of more decks in the play group. Uh, but I also had like six deck boxes just sitting around because I'm a psycho and there was no decks in them. So I just went and I spent a weekend and I went to the FedEx store and I printed off six decks and I just cut them all out, sleeved them up. And now all of a sudden our play group has six decks that like we can pass around. We can have drinks at the table and not really worry about it because it's not $10,000 sitting there. And we yeah. just all get to have a fun time and have like pass stuff around. Like, you know, all, like a lot of time when you're curating these decks stuff, people kind of get like schmeagly and this is like this don't is, touch my cards. don't touch my cards you know like don't praetor's graphs don't grab my deck yeah but you know who cares it's a five dollar deck yeah. do you want to have a good time do you want to not worry about things for a couple hours proxy a deck play, proxy Wor- a deck truly play. worry about nothing magic the gathering isn't that why we play this yeah <laughs> all game pieces i think that is like gonna be my Biggest point from this whole discussion, they're game pieces. Mm-hmm. And you want to be able to play the game. And Chris was saying, it's like, it, you want it to, at some point, be a game of skill and a, a, a game, instead of being like a game of money and luck. So, like, that's how you curate a pod where, like, this is skill-based. Like, it is every, like, you have every opportunity to create the deck that you want and do the things that you want to do and create something that does what you want it to do. It's like, I don't want to spend the money to like have to rebuild Merith. I built it like a dinosaur deck with Merith way back in the day. And at some point I had to take it apart and I just don't get to play that deck anymore because I just, I sold it for bigger pieces or whatever. And I just want to like relive the glory day of that. Like there are some people who will play on, like if you're playing webcam online, they'll just, open up Moxfield and they'll uh, kind of have their like, they're just like streaming their screen. Yeah, OBS Studio, it's what like streamers use. Yeah. Screen cap the Moxfield tester. And I'm just letting you guys know right now, that person is still playing the same game I am. 
and they have spent zero dollars yeah. on doing it. They just put their they put their mind to work and they found a way to make it work for them that it wasn't spending three hundred dollars, it wasn't spending four hundred dollars, like on the secondary market to get the cards that you needed to like to play to just play the game. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I think too, uh, the other aspect of that is that using proxies is gonna make you a better player. And mm -hmm. here's why it's gonna make you a better player is because you're not gonna get salty because that card that you spent hundreds of dollars on just didn't win you the game. Like it sure. feels bad to play a card that's or an expensive deck and it just doesn't work out and you're playing it wrong because you're getting salty because you're like, I spent all this money, these things should be working, like automatically working. So if you're just using proxies, you can play the cards with the text on the cards and make decisions based on that. Right. Instead, yeah. you know, it's gonna make you a better player because you're playing the cards. Yeah, additionally on that thought is not only that, but like with us playing all these different decks, like I don't play a ton of things outside of Grixis, especially in the competitive sense, but now that I'm doing that, I'm playing like five color, four color, you know, a lot of green, white, red kind of stuff, um, and just seeing all these different strategies. And so uh, that those strategies also demand a different play style from me to play effectively. And that's been really interesting is because learning how many different play styles there can be, even seeing the same per or two different people play the same deck, everything plays out differently. It's very interesting yeah. to me. I mean, you're, you're relatively recent to the game, like at, you know, at the span of the people mm -hmm. talking right now. Uh, and so your direction as a player has been determined largely by the first deck you played yeah. and the card pool you've generated since then. Pretty much, Not yeah. necessarily you know, determined by the full range of options available to you. There might be a play style more suited towards you rather than Grix's bullshit. Right. Or, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, and how are you supposed to know if you can't afford to ever try anything other than the one deck you managed to purchase yep. two years ago? Like, how is that fun for you? Yeah, I think when I tell people about magic and I'm like, yeah, there's like 20,000 unique game pieces, I, I guess that thought and doesn't trigger in the back of my head where I'm just like, I don't have access to all those game pieces if I'm to go out and buy them or like I played Naya pretty much my whole career. Like and now I'm just looking at like expanding it out. You've paid you've played five or ten percent of the available pieces. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I'm really excited to like when I built at Adelie's, I'm re like even though I, you know, it's like I built the deck and I'm just excited to try something that's different and new. And I think that's what proxies gives you the opportunity to do. Hundred percent. Completely agree. Uh, pronounce proxies, guys. Uh, I'll, I'll end us on this little question. What is the next deck you want to proxy at our table? I'm thinking Prosper. Prosper. You love Prosper. I love Prosper. And it, it is kind of like we were talking about. It's just going back and like these decks that we had to take apart because we're building something else. I used to have a Prosper deck and it slapped, but I traded it and, and sold it back, you know, bought Mox Diamond or some shit. I don't know. But like how great would it be to like go back, get that deck, maybe even fine tune it a little more. Put a right. little more gas in it. Well, you're and just talking about Doomsday Prosper today. Doomsday Prosper, like I've never even played Dooms like a Doomsday deck. You know, like I play a lot of add-ons and stuff, but no Doomsday. How fun would it be? Just boom, Doomsday Prosper in the rotation. Grab it whenever you want. Yep, and anyone at the table can grab it and play it, and you can now see how people are going to play it differently than you to become a better player to learn more about how these decks work and operate. Yeah, 100%. I love seeing people play decks that I've played before and just being like, wow, I just would not have done it that way. I was just watching a video of like someone playing my deck, like uh, Malcolm Vile Smasher, and like he cast Vile Smasher twice in that game. And I was like, I haven't cast Vile Smasher in this entire time I've played this deck. Yeah, I'm, I mean, when you play, you're limited to the lines of play that you're aware of, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. it gives you an opportunity to see other people. It makes you more aware of different things that you can yeah. pursue. Yeah, legit. Like I know I got a little off a tangent, but I, I just definitely agree with you. It makes you a better player. Just you see so much more of the game, so many more strategies, new lines of play. I think it's just fantastic. And 
You can do it for freaking five bucks at the FedEx print shop. Yeah. Uh, I guess the deck that I would rebuild is uh, Merith, Will of the Wild, like I'd said it before, but like I don't play Infinite Loops. I know Merith is like one of those cards like Gave, where it's just like you trip and you fall into a combo. But I was playing a dinosaur variant of it, which was just super interesting. And I just basically played Merith for value. Like I would use it to like snipe creatures off the board when I had to. And was, uh, Jordan hated it. It was <laughs> such a fun deck. It was, it was a sick deck. <laughs> But, you know, it's like I loved the interaction with ranging raptors. It's like remove a counter from Merith, ping the raptor, go get a land, and then the next turn that comes around to you or whatever, you just cast Merith for five and then seven and then nine. And then, you know, it's just like you're pulling every land yeah, in the library. Yeah, Merith's so annoying. It was like it was really fun. It was really good. And then, like, uh, Polyraptor was a big, like, fun piece. I'm just not willing to go out and spend the $20 I need for a non-foil Polyraptor. Legit. Like, like, you're not even getting, like, a staple or anything that you're going to transfer to every other deck in the yeah. future. Like, Yeah, if you have these guys' version of Insanity, where you need the most blinged-out version of any card. Yes, <laughs> literally. Like, that insane. Does that come in Borderless Foil? Cool, yeah. cool card. Does that come in? When are they reprinting that? Box stopper yeah. foil? <laughs> Is that a secret layer yet? So. <laughs> Retro border foil? <laughs> yeah. I'd like That's the deck that I would want to build. It was just the most fun to me. It was one of my first commander decks ever. And like I said, I'm all about uh, nostalgia in a, in a way. Like, And I know it's just like leaning more into the, like, the Naya flavor that I uh, so proudly represent. But it, it just reminds me of a time when uh, magic was still very simple or fun to me in a, in a very straightforward way. I didn't have to worry too much about spending too much money or whatever. Well, for, for me, you know, it's like the things that are great about me, about magic are free. The, uh, yes. You know, the uh, atmosphere at the LGS is free. The plate, your pod, hanging out with your pod, that's free. The competitive aspect is free. All of the things that you like about the game are free. The only thing Wizards of the Coast has control over is the supply of cardboard. Uh, I mean, and that's the expensive part. So if you cut that out, you can get 99.9% .9 of what you like about this game for absolutely free. Mm -hmm. Spend some money on proxies. Keep Hasbro, keep Wizards of the Coast out of it, and you're getting a much better bargain, and you're making a much more productive uh, use of your time. Honestly. Yeah, big yeah. agree. And like to that, it's you get to, if you want to invest, if you want to buy magic cards, then you get to truly buy the ones you want. You get to truly make the investments you think are worthwhile and not just, like I said, keeping up. I mean, yeah, you can spend money wisely in this game. You can treat it as an investment. But, I, you know, proxying allows you to divorce that from the gameplay. Right. Aspect. And for me, for a long yeah. time, it was not. It was very much, you know, very much connected. What about you, Chris? Any any proxy decks you want to see coming up on the table? I need some ideas. Ooh, no. I, I mean, I I more I want to build the decks I want to build, and the way I proxy is I'll proxy the expensive pieces that mm -hmm. I'm looking to buy eventually. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, so I don't have decks that are built around the idea of having access to these things because of proxies. But there's definitely there's so many things in decks where. I'm building a better deck because I'm allowing myself to uh, not have this mental restriction against playing proxies. Totally. That's a, another way of doing it, too. And like, not just how I've been printing off 100 straight cards and stuff. Like, you could have a deck and you could decide to upgrade it. You know, you bought a budget deck to start and you loved it and, like, great. Now we just take out some cards and. Yeah, buy a pre con. 
100 percent print some proxies yes yeah, yeah you can put all in your lgs yeah put a mox diamond in a shorkai precon and you're you know off to the races yep you know at, please if you're gonna play shorkai like proxy that humility that you need for the deck yeah you write like you you're like hey humility plus shorkai is pretty cool and then everybody else realized at the same time and bought the humility before you yeah. Print it off. <laughs> Shurkai is a sick deck, but yeah. you absolutely need to proxy it. You, yeah. Yeah. you need to have the humility, and you probably should proxy it. Also, Tabernacle Pendreville, great in that deck, by the way. I just wanted to point that out. Good in <laughs> any <laughs> deck. <laughs> Good in any deck that doesn't have a ton of creatures, at the very least. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, Shurkai is such a fun deck to, like, see work and see operate, and then uh, also not that fun to play against, I yeah. guess. Like, also, you, they drop humility, and you're just like, hmm. so I think I'm pretty much out of the game but at least from playing competitively you lose fast yeah and you accept it usually yeah you usually accept it once it happens all right guys that was our uh topic on freaking proxies i think you uh, all know where we stand on at this point everybody go out print yourself a proxy deck bring it to the table spice up your uh your freaking magic night but before you do that have a healthy discussion with your pod. True, 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 true. Also, it's a great way to get your pod into it. Maybe you wanted to see how everybody's feeling about playing a little more competitively. Print off four decks and show up and be like, hey, can we try out a game using these instead and just kind of get the vibe? Yeah, if you put in the work to like create a, like a curated pod where you know all the decks are going to like mesh well with each other, interact well with each other, and you mm -hmm. can see some really cool interactions with some like lesser known cards, like... I, I would I would be down for that, you know. Yeah, who I, wouldn't I, be down I, for yeah. that? Yeah, you don't need to spend money to have fun. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, right. Don't make yourself hate this game because you think there's a financial barrier to you having enjoyment from it. True. There is so much. I'm starting to love the game more. Yeah, actually, yeah, 100%. Like, there's so much good parts about this game, and like, shout, we shit on Wizards a lot, but shout out to like the Wizards team that are cranking out set after set of like high quality, like pretty great mechanics. With yeah, Brothers War looks super fun, dude. Like, like Streets of Capanna. Like, I don't know how they kept up. Like, they must be dying over there right yeah, now. Yeah, fun cards like Meticulous Excavation uh, <laughs> don't get printed every day, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I think they're doing a great job and you can actually kind of sit back and enjoy like sets as they come out or like maybe not pay attention to every set as it comes out because you're just kind of doing your own thing and you like enjoy magic at your own pace and not at the pace that wizards is forcing us and yeah, force feeding right. it yeah you missed us. the window on getting a dock side which is a must include for cheap and yeah. now you feel left out yeah print one yeah. off move on like yeah. enjoy the game like let's not just be so stressed about it anymore yeah i own two that's enough yeah, I own two dock sides. He's one of the. Are they borderless foil alternate art? Oh no, they're not. I think that Evan, artwork, are you even playing the game? I think that artwork is ugly. I like. I know you have one, Jordan, but like, I, I hate that artwork. It doesn't matter if I don't like. It, it is the. It's it is the most expensive version. It's the most expensive. So it's the best version. <laughs> yeah. It's in my deck. We have a problem. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you for tuning in. This is the Mock Stars podcast. Episodes out every freaking Friday. Appreciate y'all and uh, socials link down below. We love you. We love Goodbye. you. Goodbye. Take care, y'all. Bye. Bye.